The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. <clears throat> On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your guest, by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. We praise you, O Christ. Please be seated. And please pray with me. Dear Lord, you promised to speak a word to us, and so use our human words, our human thoughts, and our faith as we gather around your word this morning to speak to us. Speak that we may live in your name. Amen. Got to do, get to do. Exhortation, that's the fancy word for got to do. Exhortation punctuates our days. Huh? The alarm clock that goes off in the morning is a command to get up and at them. One of my last activities before bedtime embodies an old parental admonition internalized long ago. Don't forget to brush your teeth. And in between that morning alarm clock and the evening toothbrushing, we live in a steady stream of red light, green light, commands to do this and not do that. Remember about fiber and warnings to get enough sleep and fruit and vegetables. Some of the exhortation we encounter in our days is no doubt kind of trivial, kind of unnecessary. But
But healthy commands are aimed at life. Healthy commands are aimed at life. Stopping for that red light, for instance. Martin Luther recognized this by beginning his catechisms with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, from his vantage point, are not an arbitrary imposition of a set of rules. To obey them is, is to be what one was created to be. Faithful rather than faithless. Prayerful rather than neglectful. Communal rather than autonomous. Chaste rather than profligate helpful in the fabric of community rather than harmful to it, mutually pleasured rather than covetous. To obey these commands magnifies life. To disregard them contributes to the reign of death. My delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it I meditate day and night. Now, the psalmist may delight in these commands. But you know what I think? Mostly, we don't. <laughs> and that just, that just reflects human nature. We just don't like being told what to do, even if it's rise and shine. From those earliest memories of someone saying, you can't leave the table until you've eaten your peas to the day you receive a letter from the Internal Revenue Service telling you to submit for a full audit. <laughs> we encounter commands that we don't much like. We encounter coercive structures aimed more at control than at life, sometimes even in the church. Over time in our lives, we experience a a kind of mishmash of exhortation, some aimed at our well-being, some merely arbitrary commands aimed at, uh, aimed at who knows what. And so when we hear someone, anyone, attempting to frame our relationship with God in terms of command, well, most of us tend to rebel. So I've been preaching a sermon series on Hebrews, as I've been among you these Sundays in August. And this is our last text from Hebrews this morning. We read from Hebrews chapter 13. And this morning, we hear the preacher rip off a string of exhortation. I counted them. There are 14 commands in today's second lesson. Now, in contrast to the, well, I think really imaginative preaching and theology of the first 12 chapters of Hebrews, it's really easy to get turned off as we get to the end here. These commands are terse, direct, statements. Do this, don't do that. 
And once this string of exhortation begins, it's easy just, well, it's easy to let them go in one ear and write out the other and then wait to see if the preacher has anything more interesting to say. But sisters and brothers, for your congregation, engaged as you are in the process of discerning your next steps into the future, that's really what calling a pastor is all about. You're coming together to think about where to pray about where God is taking you and how you'll go along. As you are engaged in this process, I think it's a great day to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the words of Hebrews chapter 13. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. This couplet announces the theme of what is to follow. And there's a little play on words in the couplet that I love. Mutual love translates the Greek word Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And hospitality is philoxenia. <laughs> Philadelphia, philoxenia. So Philadelphia is the kind of mutual affection siblings are invited to embrace, brothers and sisters. According to Hebrews, we are a community of sisters and brothers made so by Jesus himself, the high priest who came among us to be our brother. We are in Christ a new kind of family. And so the preacher, she encourages us, she exhorts us to maintain that family bond of love. Philoxenia is the kind of hospitality or affection towards strangers that recognizes in the stranger, not just a stranger, but a potential brother or sister. In the early church, hospitality was a vital part of the community's mission because its members, especially leaders like Paul and Peter, traveled a great deal from church to church, counting on the hospitality of communities that did not know them well or at all. All the other exhortations in today's list serve these first two. All of them, if you read through them, think about them, they are all there in order to help us pursue those first two exhortations to mutual affection and to hospitality. They, these other exhortations, they call us to be a safe community, a community in which newcomers will never be preyed upon, a community in which those most easily shunned or forgotten, are remembered and cared for, a community in sync with its leaders, a generous community, a community of praise. All these things are a part of what it means to love one another and be hospitable. 
Holy Trinity, you can do this. You can do this. You can be this kind of community for the next wave of hesitant newcomers who will come among you. They are just over the horizon, and God intends to gather them. You can do this for that next wave of newcomers, maybe a woman who has never gone to church in her life and comes to some point in her life where she's struggling to make sense of things, to find meaning in things, and she decides that she's going to come to church. Or the guy who loses a job, seeks a new job for 18 months, and just when he thinks he's at the end of his rope, he gets a job in Portsmouth and ends up moving here. And shortly after coming here, because he was raised a Lutheran, he decides to find a church and go to church and say thank you to God, and here you are ready to welcome him. Or that couple that moves into the area because she's just starting a graduate program and he's the trailing spouse who's grabbing any old kind of job he can and what they do as they come here is they find a welcome that affirms the decision they made. They know they will not be alone because they have found the beginnings of participation in a community. You can be the kind of community in which people just like them can meet Jesus Christ. I know you can do this because God is your helper, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow through all the vagaries and uncertainties of life, through all the vagaries and uncertainties of congregational life and call processes and so forth, we can count on Jesus Christ to be our brother as well as our high priest. But I want to remind you something, and it, it, I'll just remind you in the flesh. Hospitality is always a risky business. You have welcomed me among you <laughs> for four Sundays. You didn't know me from Adam. You know, the way this goes with supply these days, um, when you're looking for a supply pastor, you're going to reach out and trust the recommendations of other people who say, yeah, you can call this person, this person is, will, will do a decent job of serving you. But you just really never know what's going to come out of a preacher's mouth until it starts coming out. And then you begin to discern, is this person a person from whom we can hear the word of God? Are we going to have to work really hard to hear the word of God through this person? There are all kinds of things. I will tell you, there is risk involved in hospitality at all kinds of levels, because sometimes encountering a stranger like me means that you're going to hear something that challenges you to change. 
The problem, the risk hidden in all the joys and complexities of welcome and being welcomed is God. <laughs> the God who speaks in such encounters between human beings entertaining angels unawares. But I bet I know what you're thinking. I bet I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how can Larson be so sure we can do this? I'm glad you asked. I am sure deep down in my bones that you can do this because of the way the preacher of Hebrews ends her sermon. And Mark and several of you were really helpful in getting the ending of that sermon into the bulletin. It's on a little sheet of paper. Whoever finds it, just please hold it up. You see it there? Go ahead and find it. She offers one of the most beautiful benedictions in all of Scripture just before she concludes. And she gathers up in this benediction everything that she has been trying to help this congregation to see and experience. So I, I want to read you my own translation of it. May the God of Shalom, the God who led up from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, May this very God equip you with everything good to do his will, as God himself works among you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory into the ages. Amen. In her prayer, she captures something so powerful. God gives what God commands. God gives what God commands. In the strength of faith, in the strength of a faith that trusts God to be waiting for us just over the horizon, the things we got to do become things we get to do. You may be tired. You may think that Holy Trinity's best days lie in the past. You may struggle with boredom in your life and in your life here, so much so that you expect little from life or from God. And yet, in the strength of this recognition that God gives what God commands because what God gives is shalom. And all of God's commands are aimed at helping us walk into that shalom together. Shalom means peace, but it's the kind of peace which is the harmony for which God created us. God gives what God commands, and the preacher invites us to get on board with God, with what God is doing, so that together, together, we may walk into true harmony. That is my prayer for you. 
That is the last word that I have to say to you and a promise that I will make to you. I promise that in the days ahead, this congregation is now added to my prayer list. And as I pray, I will return to Hebrews whenever I pray for you. And I will pray that the God who led Jesus up from the dead may continue to equip you with every good thing to do God's will, working in you that which is pleasing in God's sight, and all that to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, and by the way, don't forget to floss. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.